0: Good evening. I know it's late. We usually start at eight or somewhat next to eight, and now it's already nine fifteen. I was supposed to start at nine twenty. Supposed to start at at um, at nine, even according to the uh, adjusted time that I said I would start at nine. Um, but we're talking about time and timelessness. It's not an excuse because in order to touch the timelessness of time, you have to be accurately on time. That's going to be the... Uh, so I'm totally messed up. But um, it's something very deep that I want to discuss with today. Um, it's, it's a deep idea from a discourse, a Hasidic discourse, that relates to the time that we're in right now, which hopefully we're going to experience the revelation of the Third Temple, of the Beis Amikdash HaShlishi, um, and uh, the, uh, the convergence of time and timelessness, and the convergence of space and spacelessness that happens in the on Amikdash. The nature of that revelation, the nature of the godliness and of the time of Mashiach. Which in the time of the three weeks, that's what we're supposed to be studying. We're supposed to be learning about the Temple, about the Third Temple. I want to announce that today's shiir was sponsored by um, the Lianz family. Shimon and Shendel Leans. This is in honor of Shandel's father's yurtzeit that is tonight. So let me see. Today was the 20th of... If I'm correct, I think today was the 20th. Thursday was the 17th. Friday was the 18th. Shabbos was the 19th. Sunday was the 20th. No, today was the 21st already. Yeah, I guess so. Um, today was the 21st of... Of, um, of Tammuz. So tonight is the 22nd of Tammuz. It's her father's yard site. May your ziskin ben reb moise. So may his neshama have a great aliyah from the merit of this year. All those who listen, much, much bracha to the Leahan's family. I think it'll be better if I do move this back maybe a little further, but a little bit more in front of me. I'm sorry for, for the pachkin in the round, it's upsetting that my system is a little down, and it needs a repair. Okay. So, here we are. Um, Let me preface this class. I should say that I spent many hours today studying this, but I did not assimilate it. It has not become absorbed in me in a way that I'm ready to give it over. I'm totally not. But... They tell me that I can't, I'm saying, I'm arguing, it's COVID-19, it's corona, no one is coming to the classes anyways, physically. So what's the difference when I give the class? If I'm not ready for Monday night, I'll do it Tuesday morning. If I'm not ready Tuesday morning, I'll do it Tuesday afternoon. If I'm not ready Tuesday afternoon, I'll do Tuesday evening. If not, I'll do it Wednesday. I mean, what's the difference? Um, But my workers over here, my wife, my day, 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 my work is my wife. Uh, she says, No, 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 you have to stick to the time. So, being that that's the case, I have to stick to the time. And they're right, because time and space is the way Hashem set up a system is the world has to operate. Even though we tap into the timelessness, but we have to work Dafka through, and through the meticulousness in time, do we connect to and converge time with time, with what's beyond time. So, but the, the downside of that is that I don't feel at all adequate to, to give over tonight's class. So the first thing I am is I'm discouraging everybody from listening. <laughs> and I'm telling you that I don't know, I don't know if I know if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to make sense tonight. But on the other hand, sometimes the best classes came, come about when I'm not prepared when I have no clue what I'm saying, and the Baruch Hashem, then hopefully Hashem makes that you should uh, we can be a channel. So let's hope that that's going to happen tonight as well. The schus of all the participants, the schus of the one that the shir is in the name of, the schus of the liyances, the schus of, I don't know, everything. Um, Mashiach, that needs to come already. The schus of the teacher of this Hasidus, this is the Lubavitcher Rebbe, now, by the way, I, how did I get to this discourse? This Shabbos morning, I, I I just randomly picked a mimer to teach over here in Shul. We usually learn from a different sefer from the fifth from the fourth Chabad Rebbe of Shmuel. Shabbos in the morning, we have a tradition for years. For Some reason, the sefer disappeared. We were away, we were at a Shul for a couple of weeks, and I don't know what happened to the book. It disappeared. I can't find it. Um. And uh, so this Shabbos last week, I did one thing. And this Shabbos, I just randomly picked out and on the you know, on the drop of the hat, I opened the mimer that I never learned before, and I started teaching it. And it blew me away. Just the beginning of it. Then I started. Then after Shabbos, I started reading the rest, and I get, and it, it it was just too deep. It was way too deep. And I wasn't shy to to, to understand it. I mean, I, I was tired. This I didn't. I, it just wasn't going into my head. So then, um, Baruch Hashem, I googled, see? All the help of today's technology. I googled this discourse. And in the googling of the discourse, I found this discourse online with a long explanation, in Hebrew, of course, wasn't in English, with a long, long, very, very detailed and... um, Elaborate explanation. So I printed it out. It was like 130 pages, and I just sat for a few hours and I'm rummaging through all of it. I'm reading it, and the the explanations are fantastic. They're just they just, they've done a good job in, in dissecting and bringing out uh, and explaining the, the deeper and harder elements of this discourse. And um, so I, that's why I said that I feel that I can teach. But in order for me to really have been reading, ready to teach it, I should really, what I should really do is now I just skimmed through the whole thing and kind of have, is to really think about it and read it again and again, two, three times, and then it can become like one with me and then I can give it over. But that's not happening and we're gonna go to the She'er right now, so with God's help, Let's have a miracle. The Mimer is called Yeh Min harishen. That's a discourse that was said in the year 1962 in um, the Shabbos before, I think it was said, Shabbos Pasha's like this week, Shabbos Pasha's or maybe it was a Shabbos Chazain, I'm not exactly sure. It was during the three weeks the discourse was said, and later in the year. 5790, tough sh- I'm sorry, um, not 5790, 5750, 5750, which is equivalent to 1990, in the summer, um, the Rebbe um, edited this discourse and he had it published, not for the Shabbos in the three weeks, for but for Shabbos Nachamu, which is the Shabbos after Tisha B'Av. And um, it's one of those discourses that I just mind-blowing and they 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 redefine and restructure it's not stump you can see the reb in this discourse is not just revealing torah he's like redoing all of existence he's making the world he's uncovering peeling away levels and levels gaining an understanding on the deepest points of of reality in a way that has never been exposed before, even in Chassidus. That's what's so fascinating. You know, the Labavish Rebbe comes after six of the greatest Kabbalists and teachers of the deepest mystical ideas, the inheritors of the Alta Rebbe, Rishnir Zalman of the Yadi, who takes the teachings of the Arizal, and we know he was in a Shammah that was sent down in this world. To be the pen of the Ari, to explain the Ari. Without Roshnir Zalman, it's very hard to really grasp the the, 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 inner, the inner panemius of the holy Arizal. So you have these giants, and yet the Rebbe comes and reveals such an oymek, such a depth, such a mind-blowing depth in everything, that uh, in, in all the teachings that were said before, but that you don't realize it when you learn the teachings from the earlier teachers. You don't see it. And he just like cracks it open, and and by doing that, he, again he restructures. It's it's literally it's it's bringing Mashiach in the in the conceptual realm in the in the, and then it just ha- once it's already in the conceptual realm. Once it enters into, into the into the reasoning into the logic of time and space, then it's just a matter of time until it unfolds in the material, physical world, in the literal sense, which we are hoping for should be happening any moment. Or rather, I should say, it's unfolding already now. Okay. Um, So, with with that introduction, and again, if I don't finish the whole concept tonight, then we can always have a part, um, a part two, and um, conclude in part two. So bear with me. Okay. The, the Pasuk in Chagi, with the Pasuk says, Godel Yeh," Chagi is one of the, uh, one of the trios, or one of the, nevu, one of the neviyim, um in the, on the latter Navim. So after the destruction of the first temple, during the Ebershter Hashem communicates with Chagi, and he tells him, as follows he says it will be greater the honor the glory of the second temple will be greater than the glory of the first base of the first I'm sorry the honor of the latter temple will be greater than the first temple okay as great as the first temple that King Solomon built Shlomo Melech built bias. the one later now the question is. What is it referring to? Which base Mikdash is it saying that is going to be greater than the first base Mikdash? Rashi learns, and and that it's referring to like the simple. It's referring to the second base Mikdash. That the second base Mikdash was going to be greater than the first temple. In which, in what sense, was the second base Mikdash greater? In many things we know it was not in terms of the level of holiness and in terms of the miraculous presence of the Divine, or rather the miracles that revealed the presence of the Divine, the second base HaMikdash did not compare to the first base HaMikdash. But it was greater, the Gemara says, in two things. It was greater in structure. The first temple was 30 cubits tall, second base HaMikdash was a hundred cubits tall, more than three times the size and height. So that's greater. And uh, obviously it was greater, meaning a more magnificent structure if it's so much taller and greater. In the second temple itself, there there is two stages. There was the first building of it, and then there was the renovation that was later done by Hurdis, which was even more spectacular. And also, in terms of its duration, the second Beis Amigdash stood for 420 years, while the first Beis Amigdash only stood for 410 years and that's what we mean that the second base mingdash will be greater than the first the zohar however interprets this pasuk that the kavod of the second base mingdash will be sorry of the latter base it doesn't say which one it says the latter base mingdash will be greater than the first one is referring to the third base mingdash that's that even though on the simple reading of the pasuk he's talking to hagai which is referring to the up-and-coming temple, which was the second base Amigdash. But really, the Zohar says, it's really a reference to the third base Amigdash, which is far going to outdo the first and the second temple. In what sense is the third base Amigdash going to be greater, nicer? But the, what's the primary greatness of the third base Amigdash that the first two are lacking? So this, the simple explanation is that it's going to be in its eternity. The third base on Migdash is going to last forever. It's going to be a binyan nitzchi. It's not going to be a temporal, uh, a temporary structure. It's going to be an everlasting, permanent structure that's going to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So those that are worried with the lasting of the planet how long will the world last will the sun ever blow out will we ever destroy the world I don't know with all the things you don't have to worry because once the third Besamikdash is going to last eternal for all of eternity then uh, that makes this world it gives existence and reason for all of it you can say the Besamikdash has to be in this world you can't have a Besamikdash floating in out of space Besamikdash has to be down here and therefore that makes the, the, the world as well be for all of eternity so that's the greatness of the third temple it's going to be a bias nitzhi. we also see this in what the gemara says the gemara says that um, it says one of the prophecies regarding the future it says that um, the, 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 the gentiles will say let us go up base. Um, let's go up to this to to, 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 to the house of it, to the house of in, in Zion in Jerusalem. It says, "Base Eloike Yaakov." Let's go up to the house of the God of Jacob, the house of Yaakov. So um, the the question is the like, again: Why does it say the house of Jacob? Why does it call it the house of Yaakov? We have three fathers. The house of Abraham, the house of Avram. I know the Beis Hamilish was special already from Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu went and he brought Isaac. The binding of Isaac, of Yitzchak, took place on Hara Maria. Same as also Yitzchak, was already a special place because Yitzchak was there for his own binding. And also later, Yitzchak would go pray there. But we emphasize the house of Yaakov. And the answer is, the Gemara says, because like Avram, not like Avram, Shakaroy Har. Avraham Avinu referred to the place as a mountain, Bahar Hashem Yehro, and the mountain of God it will be seen. Yitzhok referred to the, that place as a field. As it says, Yitzchak, Yitzchak went out to chat, to talk in the field. But to David, really means to pray, we're in the field. And look like, Yaakov, like Yaakov, Yaakov referred to it as a house. What's the idea? House represents permanence. Where do we see that Yaakov called it a house? As it says, um, This is the house of Hashem. When Yaakov woke up from his dream, he said, How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. And this is the gateway to heaven. Now the fact the, the idea that we're connecting the Beis HaMikdosh, the third Beis HaMikdosh, to, to call it the house of Yaakov. And by the way, the Mepharsham explained that when it says that this is Beis Al-ikim, it's Dafka, the third Beis HaMikdosh, that's in the merit of Yaakov. The first Beis HaMikdosh was in the merit of Avraham, of, of Abraham. The second Beis HaMikdosh was in the merit of Isaac, of Yitzchak. The third Beis HaMikdosh is going to be in, be in the merit of Yaakov, and Dafka, that one is really called Beis Al-ikim, the house of God. Now, uh, and, and what's the quality of Yaakov? Why is Yaakov's bias going to be permanent? Because the midah of Yaakov is MS, and MS is permanence. The 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 attribute attributed to Yaakov, each one of our forefathers um, actualized, personified of uh, one of the uh, one of the various attributes of Hashem. So Avraham Avinu was the personification of chesed, of kindness. Yitzchak was the personification of Gvura, of strength and of might, or of fear of God. And Yaakov was the personification of teferes, which really also means emes. As it says, Titain emes leYaakov. we give truth to Yaakov. Yaakov was the person who studies Torah more than all the other others. He's the man of the Torah. Torah is a Torah of truth. And the quality of truth, the real meaning of truth, is something that doesn't end, a dovar hefsik, something that will never end, something that is goes on and cannot change. The real meaning of truth. Usually, you know, we we think the idea of truth is it's not you're not lying, you're not all right, it's not untrue. But the real meaning of true, if it's if it's really true, then it should be forever. It doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. Yaakov is the midah of truth and therefore his Beis HaMikdash is going to be a bias Nitzchi it will last forever and hence the meaning Godel Yeh Kavad HaAchroin the greatness of the latter house is referring to Yaakov's house its greatness is its truth is that it's going to be Nitzchi it's going to last forever okay so on the simple level we will now, on the, we, will, we can say, the reason then why we need to have a third temple, and what's, what, was, what was wrong with the first Beis HaMikdash and the second Beis HaMikdash is they were not Yaakov's base HaMikdash. They were, they, they represented great godly features, but they didn't express God's truth, which is eternity and permanence and so on and so forth. Third Beis HaMikdash, this is going to be the one that's going to be permanent going to be lasting forever. Because the other ones had a deficiency in their permanence. And the proof that they weren't permanent was from the very idea that they're not permanent, that they that they were destroyed. Both Patey Migdash were destroyed. They lasted for a pretty nice time, a couple of hundred years. But the fact that they, they didn't last forever is a sign that they weren't permanent. So we need the greatness is the third base image, which is the permanence, which presents God's permanence and so on and so forth. But the truth is, we can derive from a midrash that the, the significance of the latter base Migdash, which is the base Migdash ashlishi, in the fact that it's permanent, it's not only because the others were temporary. And that's why we need the third base amigdash, which is going to be a permanent home, in representing the permanent relationship, the unbreakable bond between God and Israel, the fact that it will last forever, as opposed to the other connections and relationship that we had before which was you know up and down wishy-washy um, we connected and disconnected and so on and so forth but now from the medrash it seems to imply as we're going to see in a moment that it's possible that the first temple could have been a permanent temple we know i'll give you an example to that we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was is is represents also the concept of permanence Moshe and Yaakov are really the same level in, in a sense, Moshe is even deeper than Ya'avor. That's why Moshe is also connected to the Torah. Yaakov is Torah, and Moshe is Torah. Um, the, the, Med- the Zohar says that Yaakov is the external of Moshe. Yaakov milavar. Yaakov is on the outside, and Moshe, uh, uh, Moshe milagav. Moshe is the inside. And Moshe, therefore, is also in the Sefero. To the attributes, he 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 personifies the attribute of t- of Netzach. And Netzach means Nitzchias. Nitzchias means eternity. Victory, perseverance, and eternity. Something that doesn't stop. So both Yaakov and Moshe are eternity. And that's why we know that anything that Moshe touched is forever. Moshe is not only time... um, Moshe is not related to any time-bound or time-limited things. Everything about Moshe is forever. That's why, take a look, we the Jewish people, we conduct ourselves like we spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu today. He never... Moshe isn't any weaker in the world. I put boxes on my head and wrapped leather straps on my hand today with things, spent an hour wearing these boxes like a total, I mean, I understand what I'm saying, like a total lunatic, like a weird person. And, and, and why did I do that? Because there was a person called Moshe Rabbeinu who just spoke to us as if he spoke to us today and told us to put on these boxes. That's why I'm not going to miss a day with God's help and put it on every single day, yesterday, tomorrow, and not just me. Millions of Jews today put on these boxes, and 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 besides a whole bunch of other weird stuff that we do. And why do we do these things? Because Moshe is alive. He's here. There's no change in Moshe. The one thing that's permanent in the world is that the Jews are doing the exact same things we were doing in the desert and the wilderness uh, three 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 and a half three close to over three and a half thousand years ago. Because Moshe doesn't die out. He's not a fad. He's permanent. He's forever. That's why it says that Moshe's mishkan is also there forever. The actual tabernacle. It was dismantled and it was put away, but it it could not be destroyed. No one could destroy it. They can't break it. Moshe is not breakable. He's forever. That's why it says, had Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Jewish people into Israel, we would have never been able to be exiled. And had Moshe Rabbeinu built the temple, it would have never been destroyed. And for that reason, Moshe could not come into the base, into Eretz Yisrael because for that we'll see in a moment, that um, would have made the base amigdosh permanent. What's wrong with that? Hmm. The first temple, even if it's permanent and lasting, is not the good temple. I don't mean it's not the good, it's good, but it's not the best temple. It's not; it doesn't reflect true eternity. So, even if it's truthfully eternal, it needs a deeper eternity, as we're so, as we're going to explain. First of all, so where do you see that the that even had the first base of Mikdash been a permanent home? It would still not suffice, and we would still require a third base amikdash. I mean, obviously, it's an oxymoron because if the first base amikdash would have been permanent, then there wouldn't be—we wouldn't have a third one. We would have that one. Yeah, but what I'm what I'm saying is that even if we have a structure that's never going to break. We have, we have, we're building obviously the physical structures and that's not, not here's not the question of you know if you're making it sturdy sturdy foundation so on and so forth. We're talking about if it has the spiritual qualities for it to last forever, and that will obviously reflect in the fact that it will be a sturdy physical building. So even if we're going to have a very sturdy building spiritually, physically, and therefore it has all the durability and lasts forever. Um, it's not fulfilling what God really wants in terms of the eternity of the Beis HaMingdash. And we can't refer to it as the eternal temple. So that's why we have to make it that it shouldn't be eternal. Because we should be able to reveal the true eternity of, of, of the Beis HaMingdash. And that can only be in the third one. Where do you see that? So there is a medrash which says a certain comforting thing especially for us this year because we've had our hopes up so high we've been so excited for the Beis Amikdash for for Mashiach just a few months ago at the onset of Corona when it came out when Nisan came and everybody was sitting alone in their Seder in such an absurd situation and it was so obvious that such a shake-up in the world can only be leading to the Redemption can't have any other meaning other than the Redemption. And meanwhile, a couple of months later, and it seems like we missed the opportunity. It didn't happen in Nisan. So it's comforting is that now we're coming into another time. You know, there are certain moments when, when Mashiach is highlighted. They're, they're, they're powerful times for, for the geula to break through. Obviously, the month of Nisan. Again, Mashiach can come any moment, any second. There are special opportune times. Nisan is a very opportune time. Second period that's very opportune for the Giyula is in the three weeks, the time of the morning, being that this is the time that's going to flip over and become Yom Tiv, especially Tishabav. Tishabav is the day Mashiach is born. So the darkest day will meet the brightest day. It's the, the opposite, the idea of the lowest and the highest are connected because they're both emanating from the infinite one that transcends them both. So light and darkness are equal. Tishabov and Simchas Torah can come and converge together, like it's going to be. So now, when we're coming to the three weeks, it's um, and we're getting closer to the month of Av. We 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 draw a lot of comfort and energy from this medrash. The medrash says as, as follows: Allah Aryeh, the lion went up b'mazal Arye in the in the mazel in the." Um, During the astrological sign of the lion, during the horoscope of the lion, or whatever you'll call it, and the Hichrith, uh, and he destroyed Esariel the lion. Okay, let me translate what that means. The lion is referring to the mighty king Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is called a lion. Obviously, a very wicked lion, a ferocious beast. When did he come? When did he destroy the temple? mazal Aryeh, in the mazel during the constellation of the lion. Every month has a different sign, the astrological sign for the month of Av, and during the summer is the lion. So, when did he come? During the month of the lion. What did he destroy? The the temple, the Beis Amikdash. The Beis Amikdash, crown jewel of the world, is the great and the presence where God resides, the base is called the lion. There's this um, um, psukim, which refers to the Esha HaAriel, the lion. Actually, the, the shape and form of the temple looked like a lion. What's unique about the form of a lion is that a lion is broad in the front. Like, you look at the face, especially of a male lion, whoa, it's like huge with that mane sticking out. It's like most of the width of the lion is its face and its mane and then its, its upper shoulders over here, all the might in the front. And then the, the, the lion narrows in the back. So the temple was built that way. It was wide at the front and then it narrowed in the back. So obviously it, 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 it personified the concept of the godly lion. Soon we're going to see what that means, that the highest levels of Hashem are manifesting in the temple. That's why it looks like a lion. But in any case, mm-hmm. so Nebuchadnezzar, who is the lion, ra- comes in the month of the lion, destroys the Beis Amigdush, which the Beis Amigdush is called the lion. And hear these words in the Meddhers. Almanas. So he did that on the condition. Okay, It was all done on the condition. Sheyavai Ariel, that the lion should come. Shey- who is that? That's, refer- that's referring to Hashem. Bim Mazel Aryeh, in the Mazel Ariel. Of the lion, and in the month of Av, the Yivne Ariel and he should build Ariel. He should build the temple. So, first of all, what's comforting over here is that it says in this medrash, at least it says that the building of the I don't know coming Mashiach, but the building of the temple, the revelation of the third temple, happens in the month of Av. The month of Av, obviously, once the base of English is, is revealing itself, then the rest can also happen. When the Rambam speaks to things that Mashiach needs to do to complete his job, is when he's getting like to the conclusion of everything, he builds the temple, gathers the exile, and then eventually there's also the resurrection of the dead. That's not his job to do, but that happens. But building the Beis Amikdash, and then the gathering of the exile. So if we have the Beis Amikdash being revealed in the month above, we're going to have already action after that. In terms of the ingatherings of the exile. But when does it happen in the month of oh, Hashem, who's called the lion? Like it says in the Passock, the lion roars, who's, who will not fear, referring to God? When will he come, arye, the mazalariyah, the, during the, the month of the lion? The And he's going to build the third base of English that is called the lion. Okay, so what do you see from this metric? It's not like we perhaps would think. Why do we need a third temple? You <laughs> need a third one because the earlier one was broken. The earlier one was destroyed. The first one was destroyed. So now we don't have it. So we we can't have we can't, the first one we can't have anymore. That one was destroyed. So because we don't have that one, we don't have the second one, we don't have the substitute one, so now we we'll have to have a third one. Hopefully the third one will last. So then it's all out of a necessity. The first and the second are not here, and now we have to get the third. But the Midrash is saying, no, 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 no. That from the very beginning, God destroyed the first one so he can bring us the third one. The lion went up in the the, month to destroy it for the purpose, on the condition. Almanas means on the condition, which means that the reason it's being destroyed is so that we, but hold it. If the problem with the first one is that it's not permanent, if that's the whole problem with it, you want to have a really good base, I mean, this, you want to have a, uh, you know, one that's not going to break, and one that is fireproof, this woman is not going to break, it's going to be a lasting temple. So then don't break the first one, and it will last. The only reason it was broken, it says, was so that Hashem should be able to build the third one. But if we're saying the quality of the third base, Amikdush, is its permanence, leave the first one, and the first one will be permanent so what do you see from here that even if the first one would be permanent it's not good and we have to take it down we have to demolish the first one to clear the space so we can build the third one so what does this tell you that the eternity of the third temple is not just the mere fact that it's that, that it will not be broken the eternity of the third temple is something much deeper and that kind of an eternity we could not have had in the first base of English and we needed to have that Dafka in the third base of we'll understand this a little bit by by, by 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 looking at at the deeper element of the Temple. You know, know, we have the Temple. The Temple is obviously the objective, the presence of the Divine in the physical world, but that's a reflection of our spiritual connection to God. As a result of of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people connecting to Hashem, and through that bringing the whole world into a connection to God, as a result of that, it manifests in the Beis HaMikdash. So let's analyze um, the state of the relationship in the first Beis HaMikdash via the state of the, of, of, of the relationship in the second and third Beis HaMikdash. It is explained in various places that during the first temple, the Jewish people were perfectly righteous. Now, I know that's not going to fit well with when you open up a Navi and you start reading the stories and you see all the chaos and all the sinning and all the idolatry and all, the, all, all that's going on over there doesn't seem to be a very, um, it doesn't seem like it was a very tranquil time, let's just put it this way. But yet, with all the sins and with all the problems, it says the Jewish people were on a very high level, spiritually. And um, therefore they were called tzaddikim, they were called Righteous. The greatness of the future based on Migdash is that at that time we're not gonna be, we're gonna have already a long history. So that was just in our infancy. We were just born as a people. We we were taken out of Egypt, and you know, God established a covenant with the Jewish people. We came into the land of Israel. It took a little while till we settled and we got you know, we got Iraq together, we were obviously a few hundred years, we were able to build, but still considered our infancy. And even if we misbehaved, we were still like a youngster, you know? So we were considered still righteous. But then, now we have already a long history of ups and downs, and of shattered, a broken, a broken turmoil in our relationship, a breakup, um, anger, wrath, suffering, pain, misery, rebellion, um, turning our backs on God, going through eh, all that we've been through. All that, After we take a look at all the prophets came and speak about how the Jewish people misbehaved and how God's so angry at us and how He kicks His beloved, who used to be His beloved wife, out of the house. And at first, he, like he's angry. Eh, then he realizes he can't live another day without her, right? So he... <laughs> he realizes he can't be bro- he, the, the, that this relationship has, will, will last it will it, it's forever eventually that's the whole idea it's a reconciliation eventually god is going back to his first love to the jewish people and he brings us back and how does he bring us back because as the rambam says that if ticha taira the torah promised and it's not just the rambam saying it the rambam saying the torah promised it's pasha's Netzovim, but it already says, after all you've gone through, after everything you will be going through, you will remember me, God says. You will do tshuva. You will have a change of heart. And then we, I will bring you back, God says. And I will I will do good to you more than what I've done to your fathers. That's the messianic process. And the third base of MIGDASH that Hashem is going to build. So what, on what level are we going to be then? We're going to be then on a level of the, a penitent. We're going to be bali Chuva. Bali tshuva, those who do tshuva. <clears throat> Based on this, we can explain the reason why the uh, third temple is going to be a permanent temple. It's going to be a nitzchiyas house. Why is it going to be a nitzchiyas? Because the difference between a tzaddik and a bal tshuva is that at tzaddik, you have no security. At tzaddik, a saintly person. So you can have a person who technically never sinned. He's a devoted um, servant. He's always doing what he needs to do. Refraining from all negative things. But you don't really know. Why don't you know? Because you know what's going to be tomorrow. Because we know that what, as the Gemara says... Yitzray Adam is gaber of b'chol yom. A person's inclination tries to prevail over him every day. So a person might be righteous today, like the Gemara says, al-tamen do not believe in yourself, until the day you die. So we don't know. You never know when temptation will hit. You never know when the person will... Famous story, the sages tell us where Rabbi Yochanan and Kohen Gadol... He was one of the great high priests. He, the person was a high priest for 80 years. Imagine that. 80 years the man went into the Holy of Holies. He was the holiest of Jews. And yet he became an apostate at the end of his life. Then you have Elisha Ben Avua, the Rebbe of Reb who was the Rebbe of Rebbe Meir, one of the great Torah scholars. And he, you know, the, 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 the evil inclination got to him as well. So a person can't trust himself. But the Balchuv, uh, ah, the balshuvah, uh, is been who's a person who's been there and done that. In other words, a person who has already tried and tasted the temptations of the world. He's already been around the block many times. Has already sinned and done all the sins that are out there, and therefore has already experienced the darkness, experienced. What what it means to be. He experienced the pleasures of the world, but along with that, he has experienced what it means to be disconnected from God, and um, that didn't sit well with this person, and that which led them to do tshuva. So this is a person who knows already everything that there is to enjoy knows already what, what they need to sacrifice in terms for their relationship with God, and yet willfully chooses to do so because they realize that um, their connection to God is much dearer to them. So a person like that, you got insurance. This person will never sin. That's why the bal stands higher than the tzaddik, because on the bal you can put your money down that they will continuously be good. and That's why, you think about it. Why did the Jewish people, you know, just a few generations ago, need to break away from God? Most of the Jewish people broke away from God. Broke away from religious life. For thousands of years, Jews were devout Jews. Jews were observant. Jews were doing all the mitzvahs. And just a few, just about a hundred and so years ago, Jews took a left turn. And most of the European Jews, most of Jews, Jew, world Jewry went astray. The observant Jews were just a minority, especially after the Holocaust. And they're still a minority. So why is it? And the answer is because a shuvah is much greater than a tzaddik. So all those that are coming back and they're doing chuva, and the, and all Jews already, even those that are dis, that are so far not practicing it, are also doing chuva. All Jews are doing chuva. So, when you do tshuva, you're connecting to Hashem on a much deeper level than had you never been disconnected. So we can explain. Now we'll understand why the third temple is going to be permanent. Because the third temple is reflecting the Jewish people as a whole, as a people who have done tshuva. And since it is reflecting the Jewish people as a whole, as we have done tshuva, and since our connection to God after we do tshuva is permanent, absolute, and unbreakable, that's why the temple is going to be unbreakable. But the first temp- the, the first temple, which represents the connection of the of the tzaddik, which again, we, as we said before, you can't trust him. You don't know. That would be, that would have been a good explanation. However, as we said before, that even if the first base would, if the first temple would be lasting, even if the first temple would be permanent, it would still require a third of migdash. So what does that mean? That means as follows. In tzaddikim itself, there's different types of tzaddikim. There are tzadikim that are righteous people who technically are righteous. That means that when it comes to their behavior they're always since they were born they had very good educators and trained very well and also learned very good very well self-restraint and therefore they're always doing what God wants that's great so that's called a tzaddik a righteous individual but as we said earlier the tzahara is not going to sit back quietly the evil inclination so rest assured, he will try to trick him, try to try to seduce him, try to bring him down. That can always happen. But then, once the revelation of Chassidus came about, and we were gifted with the Holy Book of Tanya, the Tanya talks about a different kind of tzaddik, a different level of tzaddik. He says that the real meaning of a tzaddik is a person who has so thoroughly identified with God, so thoroughly attached themselves, that they have melted their Yetzirah. They've completely dissolved their evil inclination. That means not only are they doing good, they are good. And they are thoroughly good. So there is nothing inside of them that could even be attractive. What is the Yetzirah? Yetzirah is going to attract the person to do a sin. But that's if you are attractable. You have to have a which a built-in inclination, which could be attracted to that which is unholy. But if there isn't even one cell of unholiness in a person, they're completely holy, they have zero interest. So that tzaddik is also going to be serve God permanently. If that's what tzaddikim means, so we say the Jewish people in the first place of English with tzaddikim, it can even mean, I'm not saying in the literal sense the Jewish people were on that level, but even if the Jewish people would have been tzaddikim on that level where it's not possible for them to sin, that means that relationship to God, their attachment is one of permanence, yet the bal still stands higher. In the place where the penitent stands, the perfect tzaddikim cannot stand, is referring to even the perfect tzaddikim of this level those that will never sin those that we do have those that you could bet on that they will never sin so what's the explanation the explanation is that the uh, the level of godliness where the uh, balchuva attaches itself where the tzaddik attaches itself is what's called the limited level of the of god it's already the expressions of hashem called the seder hishtalshulus the order of evolving energies—it's God's energy or God's light—as it has already been measured and defined to the creation. So the tzaddik is not reaching in his bond to the very essence of God. The baltuv is reaching to the very essence of God, and only on that level is the true meaning of being MS, truth, and no change. And that's the reason why the second—the um, only—the third temple is going to be. Permanent, because only the third temple are we truly going to be Bali chuv. And to further illustrate this point, let's look at this, Let's take a look at the second base in English. The second temple we haven't we will have left the second temple out of the discussion. What what kind of uh, state were the Jewish people during the second temple, and what was the second temple greater than the? So we said earlier the second temple did not compare to the first temple in terms of its godliness. So we understand, if the first temple had to be destroyed, the second temple also had to be destroyed. Especially, if, of course, because it was a lower level. Of course it had to be destroyed to make room for the third based on Mikdash. But the truth is, the sages say that had the Jewish people, for whatever reason, that no, they actually used the word, that it was, it was fitting that God should make for the Jewish people when he brought them back in the, day, the days of Ezra, it was fitting that Hashem should make the Geulah be as great as the first redemption of Yitzchus Mitzrayim, and obviously that and what would mean is that the Beis Hamikdash that would be built would be as great or maybe greater even than the first Beis Hamikdash, and it would have been fulfilled in the second temple. This that it says in the pasuk. Habayis the latter temple will be greater than the first temple. And as we've seen, that there are those commentators who say that it actually means the second temple. So it could have been, and if that would have been the case, then the second temple, then the second base amigdash, would have also been a permanent base amigdash. Not only would it have been a, a permanent base amigdash, it would have had the quality of Balei Tshuva. What are we saying now? That the greatness of the third base Amigdash is that it's going to be, we're going to be returnees, we're going to be those that do Tshuva. Well, at the time of the second temple, the Jewish people were also considered Balei Tshuva because they sinned, they broke the relationship, and God kicked them out of uh, out of Israel, exiled them, and, and now they came back and they're, re- and they're reconnecting. How are they are reconnecting? Because they're doing Tshuva. So on the second return, we are already bali Chuva. And yet, the second temple also needed to be destroyed. And the reason for that is, because in bali Chuva itself there is levels. The chuva that we're talking about, which is the tshuva, the ultimate chuva, is the tshuva of the, of, that currently is happening now to the Jewish people. And the, and the um, consequential temple that's going to come as a result of this deep bond that we have with God now that we've never had before even when we were Baalichuv So what do we see over here that there is levels in eternity Even on the even even the level of Nitzkhis of the first base on Mikdash could have been eternal Nitzkhis would have been eternal it could have been again it wasn't but it could have been eternal It wouldn't suffice as we said earlier, we have to break it and make it not be eternal so that we can get a greater temple. A higher level would be the second temple which was already the level of Balei Tshuva which is higher than Sadik. And that temple would have been a permanent Pesach Mingdash. Yet the permanence of that temple would still not have expressed the ultimate permanence and the ultimate bond between the Hashem and the world, between Hashem and Hashem and the Jewish people. It will only be in the third Beis Hamikdash. So we need to understand what is the difference in Itzchias, what is the difference in eternity. What kind of eternity could we experience in the first Temple, and what kind of eternity can we experience? Will we experience Dafkin the third Beis Hamikdash? So I am going to take. I am going to um, take advantage of the fact that Baruch Hashem I spoke for about not an hour yet, but about 15 minutes, and I will um, make this sheer part one, so that I can give you a much better part two than I would do than I would do now. But I do want to say, I'm just going to share with you the Nekudah, the point of it, just a little point, just to whet your appetite. And as Hashem, uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to continue. So, um, ju- ju- just a point. The point is that, th- that the real meaning of eternity and permanence is when the permanence is not coming because God is permanent. And because He is revealing Himself and He is permanent and His His revelation and everything He touches is permanent. And because so there's a godly revelation, Hashem is has revealed permanent. The real permanence is when the world becomes permanent. When it happens from below. When it's our nature. The Mimer is going to discuss, as we're going to get deeper into it, the whole quality of the temple. The temple was, one of the greatest things about the temple is that in the temple space and beyond space converged as we know that in the in the in the ark in the place of the ark in the holy of holies there was a certain structure there there was a box right the ark a wooden box covered in gold which had physical measurements and yet those those physical that physical box did not occupy space in the room it was a spatial entity That means it was an an object that filled space, but yet in the room it didn't take up space. So it was kind of hovering between space and spacelessness. And it was both together. It had space, spatial features, but but, but it didn't occupy space. It was outside of space. So obviously it didn't make any sense. And that was a revelation that God is, the impossible is residing over there. Hashem is there. And just like in in as much as time and space are interwoven one with each other, so we can understand that in the the Holy of Holies there is no time either. Or rather that time itself is beyond time. Just like space itself is beyond space. That happened in the first temple and it happened in the second temple. But the ultimate display and the ultimate truth of that is going to be in the third Bessam Ignash. And the reason is, because in the first and second temple, the spacelessness and the timelessness of the of time and space in the Beis amigdosh was not the nature of time, and it was not the nature of space. It was because God, who is beyond nature, was revealing Himself within time and nature, and therefore He was overwhelming. He was overwhelming and overbearing over time and nature, and canceled, t- i sorry, time and space. He canceled the nature of time and space. The quality of the third temple, which obviously reflects the quality of our service, is not that God overwhelms time and space, and He expresses His timelessness and His spacelessness in the very space of space and in the very time of time but much deeper than that. And that it is the nature. Because the place where we are going to be and the level that we have, haven't reached in uncovering truth, by the time the base Amigdash will be built, this, this temple, which is any moment, it will have been after a purification of time and space, a purification of the world to reveal the godly where we will reach the revelation and the, the, the experience, where we will see that time itself is really, at its very core, not bound in time. And space itself, while it is space, is really spaceless. Doesn't make any sense. The nature, if it's space, how is it spaceless? How is it the nature of the space and the nature of time? That's when we will uncover and unlock the real root of time and space itself and of the creation itself. Then we can see how time is timeless and space is spaceless. And that kind of a revelation, and that, which obviously once time is timeless, Timelessness or timeless and 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 space is spaceless, so then we can and that's the nature of time itself, so then we can understand how there can be permanence and true eternity, not a projected eternity, not a eternity an eternity from the outside, but an eternity from within. And that's the real meaning of eternity. Bezrat Hashem, we will discuss this. Um, tomorrow night Hashem should be with me and with all of us and I have a better idea instead of me having to discuss this and talk about it by the time tomorrow night comes we should experience it see it with our physical eyes Moshiach now